listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. Good evening, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of the AntsMarching.org podcast. Tonight, it is a special night, um, not so in a good way. We're missing Jake. Jake uh, had to bail at the last minute. He had some obligations. We don't begrudge him for it, but we will still bury him in his absence. Sorry, Jake, but we'll miss you. It is just uh, myself, Matt, and uh, Joe. Joe, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. I had a uh, I had a good weekend. Probably not as good as yours, but the Seattle Sounders won convincingly against the second place team. So we are firmly entrenched in first place. Um, we are not. US por- we are not. Men's yes, soccer team also good won. Good call. The U.S. won their second of three friendlies before they go off to Brazil. The Portland Timbers lost, which always makes a day better and brings a smile to my face. <laughs> and uh, and despite all that, I still did not have the best weekend of participants in this podcast. Are you, are you suggesting that the only other person in this podcast being me had a better one? I then I would you jealous. would be right. I would trade it. Yep, I would trade it. <laughs> so did you have a good time? Um, yeah, I finally, I finally got to a show, which um, I did get a little bit of crap from a couple people. Actually, a couple people said that to me. is like, I can't believe this is your first show. I haven't got any of your shows. I'm like, guys, come on. Give me a little bit of slack. So, But yeah, made it, up to, um, made it up to Saratoga Springs for I don't know how many consecutive trips this will have been. But um, yeah, it was definitely a better weekend than yours. Yeah, I was uh, watching and, and seeing the social postings and the pictures and the jealousy was coming out. Not only you and, and a lot of other m- of my friends were there, um, a lot of my family, given that that's, that venue is about an hour and 15 minutes from my hometown. Um, so even before DMB got on the circuit, I, I've seen a lot of shows there. It's definitely a family hometown circuit, so um, the jealousy was up to 11 for sure. Mm. You guys endured some pretty nasty weather that first night, though. Yeah, um, if we, everyone was watching the weather early and thinking, this is going to be awesome because last year, everybody was in winter clothing, including the band. The band, um, those who didn't know, had um, those space heaters, those ones you get outside the bar where you throw for the smokers or whatever, um, or if you're waiting in line, uh, at the, um, the red rope line or something, the heaters. Um, they had multiples of those on stage with the band last year to keep them warm, and Dave was wearing scar- gloves and scarf and everything. So uh, everyone's really excited. Hey, this is going to be awesome. The weather is going to be significantly different than last year um, as, the, as it got closer and closer. Well, right, uh, right a couple days before, the weather got a little bit – the forecast got a little bit colder. So we endured you know 70s um, and some sun, but the part that got interesting was – Got some pretty serious rainstorms uh, on on the night one day. So it came down really, really hard. Right before the lots opened, it came down really, really hard, and then it went perfectly blue skies. And we posted a posted out an Instagram of the ants flag flying in the sky, and it's it, that was that picture was taken right there in the lots. And it's a, you could see the sky as blue and beautiful as ever. Literally, not even forty five minutes later, an hour later, I'm not sure. Downpour. It, it, the wind was blowing. We had our um, we had the um, canopy kind of thing set up. It would blew the top off of that. The can jam was running down the street. It was a it was a mess uh, from the storm. So the weather changed very drastically, and we just played JTR probably four times in a row while it was all going on. <laughs> I figured the band would have come out with that. To be honest with you, I mean they they've made a habit of of taking you know the freak weather incidents and turning them into some kind of influence to the songs, but it doesn't appear to have happened this year. I wanted it so uh, you know. To get into the set real quick, I mean, they um, he started to, he brought out um, the twelve string at the uh, end of night one, I think, when they played Gray Street, and they were still a good forty minutes. It was probably like ten twenty, ten thirty, uh, and you're like, there's still a lot of time. You know, I'm thinking it's got to be Gray Street because that's that's kind of the obvious kind of set closer here that you have this, the twelve string out for. But I'm like. What other songs are on the twelve string? I mean, JTR's on it, and I mean, we had these huge rainstorms, and there still is a good amount of time left. But we got Gray Street, so I, I got myself pumped up uh, for JTR. Shouldn't have known, just gonna be normal. Well, that really gets the crowd going. I mean, that's one of those things that the crowd's already already electric. The energy's there. Everybody's pent up when that Gray Street opens a show, or not Gray Street. JTR opens a show with the rain. People just go ballistic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other song that's in the rain 
which is the song that I requested that I wanted. I mentioned on the last podcast I wanted is Good Good Time. That gets played a lot in the rain also too. Um, and that would have been awesome if I got my if one song that I wanted to hear, um, either acoustic or I would have taken it electric or full band too. Well, it's kind of... I, what, I, I think I've seen it once or twice. It's kind of leans acoustic anyway, right? It's not all that involved, just kind of a little noodling jam. I think that'd work really well in that acoustic mm-hmm. environment. Yeah, yeah. And Carter, you know, it doesn't really. The acoustic comes down to is Carter. And do you need do you need Carter's full kit, or would it sound cool with Carter's you know acoustic kit? And I think Good Good Time has no specific needs for a full drum kit from Carter. Would be perfect uh, and sound sound very much different with his with his acoustic kit. So I think it would be perfect. I agree. Another thing about the JTR, um, the DMB2 sets might have precluded them from opening the... I mean, you don't want... The, the second set, I, and I don't know, you, you're the only one who's experienced it so far, but I would think that the opener for the second set, not that it's not good, but that energy, a lot of that pent-up energy's been released already from the acoustic show. So not that everybody calms down, but there's not that... The second set opener is not really the opener anymore, right? And you can't open the acoustic set with JTR. I wouldn't think uh, so. I, I don't know. I'm probably going to disagree. I mean, there was a lot of energy, and the break is resets the energy, and they pull down the screen in front of the band. And that surprised um, me. I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, and um, usually the screen goes down, and everyone gets excited, and and you hear the, all the all the people at their seats cheer, so you know to hurry, rush back. Um, and then yeah, the band comes out, and the guy they still do a kind of a big reveal again for the second set to keep you keep you on the high of a. Of, a, of an opener, and it feels different. It just feels different. I mean, the acoustic set is very intimate. It just feels completely a different stage um, when they come out for the electric. They completely transform it, light-wise and backdrop-wise. So yeah, it feels feels like kind of a second show. I you I am so envious of your seats. I I had been going to SPAC for a decade, and I have I'm a second day warehouse member. Um, and while my seats are most always, uh, I think always have been in the reserve section. Never never gotten lawn through warehouse, thankfully. Um, no offense to you lawn folks out there, just not my gig. Uh, I've never. It always seems to be in the back sections. And even when I'm up a, a section, like uh, in the middle row, so to speak, in the middle section of uh, seats, I'm always off to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I start getting the look of Joe's uh, pictures on Instagram, who, Joe, you did a fantastic job. When I thought, you know, when we all talked and we said, let's do an Instagram, those are the kind of pictures I had in my mind. Full of color, clear. Um, I, I almost thought that uh, Joe was hired on as band photographer for a bit there. <laughs> it was just excellent pictures. But you were well, well, dead nuts it, center. Yeah, and then, and also shout out to uh, Crush Live Brad, who was also um, there participating in it too and taking photos too. So both of us were... Where they're doing it, but yeah, I mean, the seats were the, probably some of the best seats that I've I've had at a DMB show, and I've done I've been railed, I've been pit in small pits, I've been at pit spec and all over the different places. Um, but it was you know pretty much if you picked the center of the venue, center backs and center left right, that's where I got the chance to sit, um, and it made for an amazing light show. I had to ask everybody um, after the show, and then the next day I'm like. Did you guys think the the lights were uh, like really, really, really freaking awesome, or is it just because I ha- had the chance to see the lights from like dead center that made all the difference? And everyone said, "Yeah, the lights were pretty good," but it was probably the fact that you were center that made it that much better. Because I, I really the lights were freaking awesome. What they what Fenton's doing with the lights um, this year? I, I, really rapid changes of across rainbow of colors that make really cool effects. It's cool, like wave motions through the lights. Um, uh, yeah, he's doing a lot of cool little effects that I, I, I just really wonder, dig I wonder how long that takes Fenton and the rest of the crew to prepare for this, for the tour, you know? I mean, talk about doing your homework. That's got to be days and weeks of work ahead of time just to get mm-hmm. get it ready. And then, you know, you test it out. But, I mean, these guys are pros, obviously, so they've done it. But at the same time, it just still seems like such a, such a variable environment, especially with as dynamic as the band can be at a live show. They don't oh, yeah. miss a beat. I, I'm I'm uh, I had one show um, blossom. This is a long time ago. That I sat this, the the row right behind um, the soundboard and the lighting board where Fenton and Bagby are, and 
I watched Fenton. I didn't even watch the band. I still got to listen. I was dancing, but I was just amazed at what he's doing. And it was absolutely an awesome show. And, and he sits there. He's essentially playing drums like Carter, but on the lightboard. And he 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 is tapping out between different um, different presets and modes to cause different lights. And he's they have a preset for every song of the gen- general idea of what the lights are going to be. And there's two guys that are working the lights. And Fenton will go through different, he'll have pre kind of set areas, but he is, he is clicking between or telling each, each item to go, or he'll have just like, here are the, in this section of the song, here are the three or four different light sets that I'm going to switch between. And he just switches between those four with his hands back and forth. So it's crazy. And, you know, just on your comment on what they do, I mean, I know back in the day, um, the lighting company that they use, I think, got, got to do a little interview with Fenton and get, offered some interesting tidbits and you know what goes into the process and it was, I was amazed I mean pre months before the months before the tour Fenton sits down and they use CAD software they use this you know digital design software to design the stage and and to simulate the lighting and to start programming all the different effects that they want to do with the lights prior to they ever set prior to ever cabling up a single light bulb, um, they use the CAD software and make all these different designs on what they want to do, and they coordinate the video, obviously, too, and they're really big into transparent screens in the last few tours where they can show video, but at the same time have light coming through the back of them. Um, So, yeah, they set all that up, and then usually what they do um, is in Charlottesville or um, some other venues, I think it's normally Charlottesville, they'll reserve um, a venue for a good week's time and let the crew get some practice on um, rigging, rigging the whole thing. And then Fenton and the rest of the crew just go through um, practicing and, and viewing all the different light schemes and all the stuff that they've been prepping for, putting them into practice and seeing how they look. And they just shut off all the lights in the arena, throw all the smoke up, and start playing with the lights. And, I mean, there's a lot of time. I think I was, I was talking about this, too, because I, I think at some point Dave mentioned you know, Boyd as the you know, plus one member of the band, call it the you know, sixth member or eighth member, whatever you want to call it. But I, I, I think at one point you know, he attributed the live show as uh, Fenton being you know, the plus one member. He does an amazing job. Yeah. I, I, um, another thing I did this weekend is uh, my wife and I actually were in the second row for James Taylor out here at the Key Arena. It was a great show. Um, totally different vibe, obviously, than a DMB show. But they had a really nice... Uh, you know, very simple but clean and classy, uh, you know, not pyrotechnics, but light show, right? And they had screens. They had, like, little tower pillars on either side of the back of the of the set that kind of acted as LED screens. They're really cool. But at the same time, it just made me appreciate even more what, what the band does. And then in contrast to your pictures, just, you know, the amazing amount of work that goes in, so... That's a yep. that's a good description, Joe. I'm now I'm real curious about that. The lights were the lights were awesome. What they what they do to put it in there is and, and actually, so we got. Hey, we're actually we're streaming this right for all the Ants Plus members, and they're they're joining us on the discussion in the chat. And um, Sob four two seven nine, he was at the show. He was in section nine. Um, so that that's not dead center, um, and I don't believe it is. That's the seating sections at Spec are crazy. Um, but he also agrees that the lights were freaking awesome this year. So. Another opinion. What is, speaking of SPAC and sections, is there any coincidence that the pit is sectioned at number 40? And that's not just for DMB shows. That's just, and, and if, you're, if you know SPAC, the number 40 has no relation to any other section. I mean, it's, it's like there are sections 11, 14, 15. I think they're in the 20s maybe up top in the, in the balcony, and then just 40 out of nowhere. Is that a, mm-hmm. a Dave Matthews Band homage? Does the seating chart designer for SPAC a DMB fan? <laughs> I don't have the answer to this, but this will pro- this will blow your mind. I happen to know what the Wi-Fi password is for the spec <laughs> man it for the for the Wi-Fi, and it is a DMB reference. Wow, wow, and that yep. that doesn't change. That that's throughout the tour season, not just when DMB's there. It, it, this this has been in place since they opened spec for the season. So uh, yeah, it, it's uh, they're definitely they're definitely a, they definitely love their DMB at spec. That is really cool to hear. Now, look at that bit of trivia there. Did yeah. you know? <laughs> Did you know? So, okay. Um, I know this is the Joe M show, but I like it. I, I think we need more. <laughs> I think we need more Joe M. So I'm just, if you don't mind, Joe, I'm just going to. Uh, to Mute keep, yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to prompt your beer you. beer over there. I'm just going to keep throwing stuff your way, and I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so, okay. So night one, night two, um, Jake put an article up on the front page of Ants um, after night one, um, pretty much praising the show. And it was, it was. Everyone was very excited about it. 
Um, so night one, night two. If you had to pick one, what? I mean, and this is just you know very subjective, but which one was better? Do you you know what stood out? If you only had to go to one of them, what one would you rather have attended? You are te- you are terrible, man. I know. Jeez. What do you what do you want? That's from me? Um, I would. I'm not, and this is not a this is not an easy uh, answer. And I know from talking with everybody that was at the shows too, you get very mixed reviews. And um, so I'm actually not even sure if the answer about the answer that I'm get, about to give how that matches up with the majority. But can, can I stop pro- you for a second? Yes. Are you an expert in so, in show opinions? And should you even be commenting on this question? You know what? Um, I, you're right. I really shouldn't be. I, I have not gotten my doctorate in show opinions, and so I really should refrain from commenting. Right, oh, Jake? Oh, uh, wait, Jake's oh, not he's on. not here. Well, you know what? I'm going to um, give you – I'm going to sign a waiver and say that I will not – you know, if I do anything with your opinion, it's my own fault, the effects of that. So you can go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, and we'll just assume everyone on the podcast, you all have uh, signed your waivers too, right? Okay, good. So um, I will choose uh, Night One as my favorite show. What a hater. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I knew you'd say something like that. Oh, that's okay. I mean, what? Well, you've got I'll Back You Up, A Whiter Shade of Pale, which kind of came out of nowhere. Um, the tour's first So Much Bridge Too Much, which isn't exactly rare, but it's still nice to see some debuts come out. You've got Rooftop. Um, now, so tell me about Lie in Our Graves. That that was a full, including reprise? I, including the reprise, yeah. Yep. So there was no yeah, tomfoolery uh, out there splitting it up. Nope, no tomfoolery splitting it up, and you know, for a lot of they haven't been playing it. Um, so it was great to get it. Um, with a lot of suspense on is he going to play it? He kind of looked back at Carter, and they went into it, and everyone, as usual, liked the end of the prize. So I was happy about it. So you had the same same ish seats both nights. Mm, same row, um, just to. You know, diff- different ends of the section. Same row, same section, just en- different ends of the um, of the row. Would you have answered that question differently about the better of the nights mm. if you omit the encore from night two? Because I'm looking at songs. I'm just, I'm, you know, you, you pick, you, you look at a set list on Tour Central, and you're like, oh, omit yeah. it, omit it, no. But maybe if you maybe change it, is that what you're well, suggesting? Sure, certainly, right. I, I point being, I think the encore probably sours your opinion of it so omit it change it whatever obviously there would be an encore in your dream yep. set but um mm-hmm. that's how you could change it and not like oh i want to make it ants halloween i mean no but but something a little more reasonable i think in terms of what people would like to see in an encore here it would definitely raise it it wouldn't um pass it wouldn't make it pass I, you know what i liked about night one was some just the differences in the songs, like solo wise or things that the band did that weren't just we're playing the song like you hear it on the radio or you know you hear it they, they they jammed it out or they played some new version with the horns and I just really liked that about it. Whereas night two, awesome show. It was it was a sing along show. I mean people you know you sing along to Crash Into Me, you sing and sing along to um, Where Are You Going, Jimmy thing. It, you know there was. Dancing Nancy's, those are all songs. That whole that whole run there of well, where are you going? Dancing Nancy's crash into me. Jimmy thing was like karaoke night for the whole place, which was awesome. Place where everyone was singing it was probably louder than louder than Dave. But what I really liked about night one was just some of the uniqueness about. Okay, so he, I really liked um, you know uh, Jeff's flute piece and um, what would you say? I think it was, and then also. Um, Stefan's intro to uh, Watchtower. I mean, I'm dying to get to hear that again and like put that on loop. Um, so th- those are just little things that help push the show over for me. You know, not just looking at the set just based on the songs that are played, just more about the performance. So looking at the songs, though, speaking to that, I look at night two and I see songs that jump out to me. I see, I see recently Pay For What You Get, So Damn Lucky and Minarets. That run right there seems awesome to me you close you close that you close that acoustic set with ants you open set two with pig i like save me um say goodbye you've got um yeah i think you know you might die crying as a cool song live um but where are you going i I just don't know why with the catalog that this band has that stuff like that still still gets played i don't that i don't know i mean it's a it's a it's a radio hit i mean it's uh, you know it's a it's a single so it's gonna get played it's a single i did it's a single 
It gets played. It does not get played. It gets played, and it gets mocked when it gets played. Not as much as okay. Not as much as um, where are you going? But well, yeah. that's my point. I would probably rather hear I did it than where are you going. Really? I would. I I don't like where are you going. I think it's a dry, boring song. I do. I, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I and then I, my, I, I think I like where if I'm looking at this set, I like where are you going there versus um, I did it. Well, I mean, the fact that they come back with Nancy certainly softens the blow a bit. Um, but if you ask me, that falls off after their crash is, you know, crash is crash. But then you've got... Uh, Your favorite song of all time? favorite song of all time, Jimmy. And I was telling Joe this um, <laughs> over the weekend <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have the MB Live set list on my phone, obviously, so I'm getting, the, I'm getting the alerts when the songs come in. And Jimmy shows up and just hearkening back to the talk we had the last podcast, just kind of breaking chops about Jimmy thing and seeing that come up likely as a set closer. And I just... My wife and I were walking to the James Taylor concert, and I just stopped and started laughing. And my wife just looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, they got Jimmy. So I texted Joe, lately, ah. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I knew he wouldn't respond, but I knew he would see it, and it would make his I, night. And I saw it, and then I showed it to the, um, showed it to the, row, the row, and uh, we, uh, we all had a, had a laugh. But uh, here's the thing. I'm at the show. Who cares? I, I might hate a song outside of the show, but when I'm at the show, I'm going to dance my butt off and sing. And uh, anybody that's saw me at a show or sat with me knows um, that's how I am at the show. And so, hey, that's what I did to Jimmy thing. You get your money's worth, man. You got to got to respect that. Okay, so the general consensus of night two was that it was awesome, but then, but that encore. Yep. And, and then looking at everyone's uh, going on in the chat here, the Ants Plusers, we got a. Night one for Shizzle, got a night one for sure. We got a night one easily, um, night one, but the highlights of night two are amazing. Um, was there both what nights, night one? So actually, um, everyone said night one that I can see in, in here so far. So I guess uh, everyone liked night one, and I'm not, maybe the, probably the closer had to, had to do with it, but it just the show was awesome. And I mean, they came out and just slapped SPAC in the face with two step, right? This SPAC is the place that they will chant. Uh, two-step during after every song, even after two-step, they'll chant two-step. And um, the band just came out and smacked them in the face with second song, acoustic, two-step. Um, I think it was just on a high ride from that point, From even from Whiter Shade of Pill to start. Um, it was on a good good run. Hard to beat that. But you didn't talk about that encore. I didn't talk about that encore. What do you want to know about that encore? So this encore, at least the reaction it got, immediately on social media and the ants boards was just like letting the air out of a hot air balloon. Like the thing just dove. And if you look at the show flow, you can almost see, you can almost see graphical anger in, in viewing what's going on here. It's, 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 it was, it was an up and down show. Night one was very much um, more of a consistently lauded show, but, uh, but night two is up and has its ups and downs. The ups are a little bit, are, are almost universally up, but the downs, even, um, the low points up to that point in the show were at the Mendoza line. They were right down the middle. But then uh-huh. the encore. Um, Jimmy, of course, takes a nosedive, which is it's good to see that I'm having a little bit of an effect on the fan base here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Squirm inches up ever so closely, and then Shake Me just takes a, takes a dive. All three of those final three songs, however, were underneath the um, neutral line. So they were, they were generally um, reviewed negatively. Um, so... And that was the only two-song section, let alone three, that stayed below one. Uh, every other one was, uh, was you know, the only time they dipped below neutral was one song at a time. And then it got right back up. Not so for the huh. end of this. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I like Shake Me as a song. And, I, and, and speaking from a studio standpoint, I still think that is the most important song recording performance whatever the band has done in a decade i think if they don't come out at the beginning of big whiskey with a kick right to your teeth the they're in trouble right they you know there are a lot of questions um you know with with the recording process where they were at they had come off a couple shaky efforts um i just think that song is awesome on the album i love it i love it um but live it just seems to i think they play it fast they play it quick and if you play it too much, and if those three go together, the fan base doesn't seem to like it. And I think that's where Shake Me's ended up. 
you know, uh, right or wrong, and it's just nobody wants to see it at the end of the night. I think they want something a little more substantial, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Shake Me might have made its debut at SPAC, and it might even have been an opening spot. Okay, well, this is where Jake's supposed to come in. Um, but um, the, the closer spot's just a little, it, it's too fast. You know, you want to enjoy that. You know it's the last song. You want to enjoy it. And the problem is, Watchtower's the same way. Watchtower's not a very long song. Um, it's pretty, it goes over, it's pretty, it's over, you know, fairly oh, quick, I'd too. I'd say but. Watchtower can go between eight and ten minutes. I mean, that's more than twice, sometimes three times as long as Shake Me. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. If we put it that way, yes, it's <laughs> significant compared to Shake Me. But now we're saying how how uh, it's just a matter of how short Shake Me is. Shake yeah. Me is just ridiculously short. Is there but, any uh, jam at all? Is there any improvisation, or is it straight straight up the the, the studio version essentially? Because I haven't listened to it on the uh, the tape yet. Which one are we talking about? Watchtower or uh, Shake Shake me? Shake me Live? Shake Me Live this year. I don't. Okay, so. Here's how Dave tried to save um, Shake Me after End of Night 2. Um, is, you, you, um, well, how does the lyric go? You, um, I want to shake you like a monkey. Oh, yeah. He, I want to I wanna F you like a monkey. He dropped and screamed. Um, and as, the place went the, nuts, right? And the place went crazy. Oh, and that's, that's how you make it a closer. You throw an F Didn't word. you read the, like, read the directions on how to make a song a closer? Yeah. You just swear during well, it, and it's a closer. How to make people go nuts for a garbage song. They, they lay, pray he did, down you know what? You know the other song? For, for what you are. I was just going to ask oh, yeah, you. Do you, know you know the other song that he did that this is the closer, and he did the same thing? It was What You Are. Yep. And, uh, One of the only times I've ever bailed early on a show. It came, I'm like, there it is. Here we go. And then walking across a bridge at SPAC. And it, if you go back into Tour Central, one of these shows, they closed with What You Are. And sure enough, I go, here comes the mother effer. And sure enough, you hear the crowd go crazy. Dolts, all, uh, the whole lot of them. <laughs> three, three closers. Um, which one will you marry? Which one will you F? And which one will you kill? Ooh, F, marry, kill. Yep. Um, shake me. Um, we'll do Watchtower. And no, no, we'll do Shake Me, What You Are, which we were just talking about, and Thank You. Oh. Oh, I knew that that third one had to be difficult. You have to do that. <laughs> I would probably have to F. Um, I'd probably marry Shake Me. I just, no, wow. no, 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 no. I, what was the second one? What You Are? That's That what was a tough are. one. Uh, I'd have to F What You Are. I'd probably marry Shake Me and, and kill Thank You. <laughs> I don't just... know. That's, those, that's terrible. Those are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> rough yeah, well, that was well played though and I, I don't know maybe we should rotate maybe we should make F. Mary Kill a, a, a regular <laughs> section of this podcast a regular bit I like it we now know you want to hear Shake Me as a closer good to, good to know <laughs> if that's what you think alright or because uh, I think you're more of a Mary kind of guy more than an F kind of guy yeah yeah. except when it comes to you Joe of course don't sell yourself <laughs> then you're short oh then you're um, so uh, what else? Um, Dolby Blue um, from the chat here, from the Ants Plus, um, the live broadcast chimed in, and we actually talked about Dolby a couple episodes ago regarding the vinyl releases. So hello, uh, Steve, how you doing? He says, he makes the point that you take Squirm and Shake Me from that encore, put them into the main set, and then take, like, Say Goodbye to Drive and Drive Out or something like that into the encore. Totally different ending vibe, and I got to agree, right? I mean, that that's totally flips the show on its head. Yep, that does. Yep. Really good that would point. be pretty cool. Really good point. Joe, do you have anything else to add about the uh, the show? I, I'd like to go to a break here and I want to see what else you want to get in before we do so. Mm, you, gotta, you can't leave me with open-ended questions. Uh, I know. Um, I know. Ask me more questions. Well, let's, let's hit a break. Let's take a break. All right. We've got, we got a lot more to go. We actually have a few um, horrible encores to, <laughs> to compare. And that, I don't think Squirm and Shake Me is quite horrible i just think the expectations for spec are high the energy's high the excitement over the main set was high and then i just think the the balloon was deflated for the encore however we do have some truly bad encores historically to go over and compare that show to so when we come back uh hang with us we'll be back just in a few moments here
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. This is the AntsMarching.org podcast. I'm with Joe. I'm Matt. Well, I'm not with Joe, but I have Joe here, right? I wouldn't want to give Joe the wrong impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were, before the break, we were talking about um, the Night, Corps, Night 2 Encore SPAC consisting of Squirm and Shake Me. I, I don't think Squirm has necessarily a bad... Um, a bad rap. I think it could have been just about anything, and Shake Me after that is what really got that with the bad rap. Would you agree? Yeah, that's that's the big one. And and, and everybody wants shotgun, and kind of te- Dave kind of teased shotgun. Um, so that maybe made a little bit more of a insult. Well, uh, you know, resident setlist archiver. Unless he wants a different title, Jake um, has uh, pulled together a few um, bad encores historically. Um, going back to 2002, this is my favorite. Going back to 2002, now, every day had just come out recently. Um, it was at Penn State. The encore of Ain't It Funny How Time Slips Away, Space Between, and I Did It. I don't think you can do worse. Mm, yep. I mean, Loving Wings making a cameo there would probably make it even worse for me. But the bad news is with an encore like that, you can only hit the down arrow once each song. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Penn State um, show um, and watching the live sets come in and the um, the forums, the site just blew up. People just couldn't believe that encore. <laughs> and I know some people at that show. Actually, people at the show, well, I wasn't. They weren't hardcore day fans that I knew, but they didn't think anything. They they thought it was fine. But that is that is a slap in the face encore. There, it's pretty weak. Uh, I don't I don't have that show handy, Joe. Do you? I can get the link here too. Yeah, I'm going to grab it myself and see what we got. See, maybe the rest of it was has redemption, but I highly well. So don't drink if I had it all when the world ends. Raven and Lover Lay Down, busted stuff. So much pig. Where are you going? Help myself too much. It's not a horrible show. Outside the encore, Mm -hmm. it's really oh man, the show flow is beautiful. So it doesn't look like we have a ton of um, votes. Um. But the only votes we do have are from people who are actually there, and they're all over the place. But it flatlines at the encore. <laughs> <laughs> it does. The, like, like no, 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 no. Negative, negative, negative. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, I guess that pretty much spells how, how the general mood about it was in the community. Yeah. Um, in 06, in Scranton, there was a Can't Stop Louisiana Bayou, uh, Can't Stop Louisiana Bayou encore. And... Now, I, I don't hate Bayou, but I know a lot of people got tired of it. I know they played it quite a bit for a while. Um, I am no fan of Can't Stop. That's one of those Dave Scatty kind of just just stop. Write a song and then do your jams in the songs, but don't make a jam a song kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that one, Joe, or am I just going to have to go on my own here? <laughs> <laughs> um not the biggest fan of Can't Stop. Uh, personal preference. Um, when, you're, when you're there, you love it, though. Uh, that one I actually have a hard time to love. Oh, we found um, one. Uh, that one I that one I kind of that one I kind of have a hard time for. Um, so I would be very disappointed with that. And by you, it's the context. It's the context of the year. It's the context of what they've been playing. They've been playing for a while. Um, you know, it was just people were, were couldn't believe that that's going to close and that close the show, be the last song of the night, um, to shock people. Uh, and so, you know, it was a, an opener or, you know, great mid set, good energy going, but to close a show, just slap in the face. Yeah. And then you've got West Palm Beach from 2012, a sister thank you um, encore. I like sister, but I think if yeah. you're going to have a, a Dave Solo song there, um, I think you should have two full band songs after that and not a 12 minute thank you that's basically on loop for the last six minutes. Right. Yeah. If I remember correctly, we ha- did we have a we have an Ants um, official party this year? You mean 2012? Yeah, did we have one in 2012? Uh, is that the year? That's the year I went, right? That was 2012. Yeah, okay. That wasn't last year, or was it? Nah, it wasn't last year. Uh, it was two, yeah, it wasn't it was, last year. It was two years ago. Um, I don't think we had anything official. I mean, that first year we had it at, at the PGA, 
everything, I think we got lucky, actually. Everything just kind of fell in. The venue was magnificent. We had the awesome entertainment. We had a bunch of free sh- uh, stuff to give away. Um, we had an awesome bar. It just was great. And I think we tried to, it was like Woodstock, right? It just, it kind of happened by accident. And you talk about it and you try to duplicate it. And we just haven't been able to do it. At that, in West Palm Beach, I mean, we had a fantastic what? party in Seaville. Oh. What? I thought the second one was the better. Really? Oh, yeah. It was huge. It was way bigger. Everyone knew how it was going to work. Everyone hung out the pool. Yeah, okay. Um, great music. I thought that, you know, I thought it was, I thought the second one was better. Yeah, maybe we didn't, we only, we didn't have as much stuff to give away. Um, but I thought it was, it was awesome. Well, I think time. I spent half the second day chasing down people who won prizes. Oh, no, that was Seaville. Yeah. Seaville was, yeah, chase down, chase down prizes, uh, the Seaville party. Yeah. The, um, the, Second on West Palm Beach one, man. We were giving away those tour books. They, you know, remember the that's couple right. that they were really, they had the tour books. We're giving those away. We had a bunch of um, posters from the three D. Um, oh yeah, the, the, the mo- movie. Um, yeah, yeah, movie posters. We had shirts. Um, had a bunch of we had a bunch of stuff, but we didn't, definitely didn't chase after anybody. You had to be had to be there. That's Not right. Like they C- had us. Seville was a mess. They had us in the. Uh, they had us in that ballroom for the second West Palm Beach party. Yes. Yep, I still like the first year better. Way better. Wow. Yep, what? I did. I did. I guess it was almost like it was almost like unorganized organization that first year. Uh, we didn't really, really have an idea what it was going to be like, and yet it turned out amazing. Whereas this time, the second time was a little more structured, and while that was okay, I didn't like the room. I liked out being out in the bar, uh, lounge area, which was plenty of space, but I think yeah. it was less controlled space, so I, I didn't, I, they probably didn't realize that it'd be this... You know this mayhem in the in the lobby essentially with with non ants coming in saying what the hell's going on in here and that's probably the the impetus mm-hmm. behind moving it but that doesn't mean I have to like it I, I like the first one better I think it's less about the lobby just that the lobby is gorgeous and if oh, we yeah. had a dedicated room that ha- had you know those windows that overlook um, the golf course the pool and just the really nice open high ceilings and everything I think obviously that would be would be great but I don't know I like I like it but anyway get back to the original question which was you know I I proposed was this one of the years and I I guess I'm remembering wrong but I think the only reason I remember that is because I thought this was the year maybe this was a different West Palm which could also be one of our bad encore um uh, ones that we're talking about I, we left early, we left early and that's the only time I've left early for a DMB show now my excuse is we had to get back to help set up for the parties and get get everything rocking for the parties. Uh, but it was the first time I ever left before a show was over, and I thought it might have been this year because this would this sister thank you would be an encore that I would say, you know what, do I have a choice of setting up the party or seeing the encore? And if it was sister thank you, I would choose to set up the party. Yeah, well, and uh, my my infamous uh, story from two thousand and two, which I've told many times on the podcast. Anybody who's listened to them historically know that the uh, that was the show after the MSG, um, the James Brown. It was the winter tour, winter 2002 tour and drove down my cousin to D.C. and was all psyched. And it was basically a layup. The band just wanted to be done with the tour. And they played two-step. And uh, it was like getting drunk on something and not being able to drink it for 10 years. I had a 10-year, like, hate relationship with two-step. It's finally okay now. Like, I'm all right with it. We, we're, we're back together. <laughs> but um, that I definitely bailed out early and... And ran out of the venue, and even the band still beat us out to tell you how bad they wanted to be out of there. But, um, <laughs> but so yeah, I, I, I left. I, I, you know, my leaving early goes back to 2002, but it's very rare when I do that. It's a what you are. It's a, it's a that show in 20, 2002. It's a thank you. So mm-hmm. nobody's holding it against you, Joe. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, we have a couple um, birthdays today and tomorrow, right? I think I, I know of one of them. Yeah, well, well, okay, so maybe not birthday might not be the best word to use, but Big Whiskey was released five years ago today. So five year I, anniversary. I think that kind of, I think that kind of, I don't know if resets the word, but it opened up a new chapter in the band's history. Um, I think their sound changed a bit from that point, um, and it's kind of, I, I know that opinions are mixed. I think overall it's positive. Um, the band is uh, people are eager to get past stand up, uh, so it's hard to believe it's been five years. I remember when they were uh, putting out teasers of the album art, and Joe, 
Joe reverse engineered the uh, the flash image and pulled all the pictures out and posted them, and they were pissed. <laughs> yeah, they were they were they were hoping to debut the album art in what is it nine square? Yes, over yeah. the course of you know leading up to the album, <laughs> and they. They must have hired some hack to do it because eight of the nine squares were just freely available. So it's like, well, here's what it's going to look like. You guys didn't really do that. Everything but the middle. Uh, feel- the middle image was the only one missing. Yeah, which is the key one. And you know, I feel bad, but you know, uh, I'm not trying to spoil any any fun for anybody when it comes to it. But we just all wanted to see it because that was such a key album. You know, Dave designing the cover of an album. You know, related to Leroy, um, was a big thing. But you know, I'd pose out there. I mean. Five year anniversary. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that Night One Spack um, was one of only few shows in the last six summer tours to not feature a song from Big Whiskey and the Groove X King? Easy so, said. Crazy. And and when I say you know when 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 Jake or when we say you know only a few in the last summer series, it's only the second. There's only one other one that didn't have it. So um, five years has now passed, and I guess it's finally you know kind of okay to not have it in the rotation. Well, we had uh, we'll get to the the user questions here in a little bit, but there's something about that. Um, it's it's actually really good uh, to segue anyway. Um, but Robbie Idle asks us, uh, can you talk about the unfortunate absence of Away from the World so far this summer? I guess it's as good a time as any to answer that. What do you think? What do you want my like? If I'm surprised or not surprised? I want your opinion. That's kind of what this show's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have. No, I'm not gonna go. There again, um, um, not surprised. I mean, I think it's it's been heavy. You know, it's it's time for a break, and I think you're going to burn out fans if you they they start to feel that um, tours are getting repetitive. Well, it's been um, out for two years now. I mix it up. It certainly feels like it was released a week ago to me, but it's been out for two whole years now. So I, I don't think it's any. I don't think it's a pattern. I mean, it's a long tour. You'll see it come back. Two years. Wow. Yeah, Jeez. I know, right? I remember listening to it with you on the way to pick up the RV for the Gorge trip. I do remember that, yeah, because you you worked some magic there on that one, too. Geez, we can talk forever about that, but yeah, two, gosh, that's crazy, two years. But all that pretty much tells me is, time for another one, time for a new album. Yeah, yeah, and um, we haven't really heard anything about that. We're not seeing any new music on the tour, and I... I mean, the band, it's never say never. They they do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's possible that something comes out. But we're still not seeing songs that were talked about or when some of the band members say, hey, what do you want to hear this summer? And they're talking about rare songs, like you know, rare as an unseen live, like Monkey Man, things like that. They're not even, I don't think they're really scratching the surface so far on where they'll go this tour. I would say if you had to ask me about the diversity of the tour so far, I, I probably would be a little disappointed um, I, I, there's a lot that goes into it, right? And especially now that they're doing acoustic and electric, um, there's a bit more complexity to that and maybe a little bit more preparation required. So you can't be as spontaneous, but I don't know. I mean, every year, every album the band puts out that the catalog gets deeper, right? So there's, so ergo, your sets should be more diverse and, and more, um, you know, varied from night to night. And I, well, talking, well, talking about diverse sets, one of the things we talked about in the last podcast was, were there going to be any repeats between the two nights? And what did I and, say? Uh, I uh, we'll have to go back to the records and, and I see said it. I no know. repeats. <laughs> and um, indeed, we had um, no repeats. So yeah, they, they 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 definitely tapped the diversity for these two shows. I you know what though, and I don't mean to roll my eyes at that. It's what fifty songs, okay, or give or take. Um, what's their catalog up to now? They got a couple hundred. Oh, no, way more than that. Okay, okay. Um, so to that point, like I said, you sh- you should be able to do a three night stand without repeats, no problem. They should. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. two doesn't impress me really, right? I would expect that, and that's why I made that that guess is that's what they would do. So I just think that I think we need to get more stuff thrown in, and maybe this is just the band just doesn't do it. Why, just throw something, throw the Dreaming Tree in and then disappear it for the next month and a half. Don't play it four shows in a row. That's what they tend to do. They, they get a song they haven't played in a while and they kind of, they want to keep playing it. And I, I guess I can understand the nature of, of that desire. Um, but they have the catalog to 
to do that with, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't seem like they they do it all that much. I'm just being greedy. They do it. I think you just don't. I think you just don't pick up on it. I mean, like, like I think uh, was the last year or two years ago, like Beach Ball made a couple, like made three appearances, and that was it. And there's there's other songs like that too that just make a couple couple quick appearances and they're gone. That's true. Um, I guess it's so just, you, it see, just you see not. some of the songs that get so much rotation, you're just like, well, well how come that can be slotted out that exactly. night for this? That's yeah, exactly. That's yep, a good point. I would agree. That's a good point. Well, Joe, I, we got uh, we got four or five good questions here. I'd like to get to. That's all right with you. Uh, sure. This one coming right off the spec weekend is great timing, and and it's an opportunity for the spec uh, the spec heads to kind of twist the knife a little bit. But uh, BT Gall Seven asks ants marching. There's probably a simple answer, but why was Alpine skipped this tour? Why was it skipped, Matt? Uh, well, obviously, it's just not well liked the spec. That's all. In case closed, there's your answer done. I honestly you just created a firestorm. Uh, <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Um, <clears throat> if I had a guess, it was probably it's probably based on unknowns. I don't know what's going on with Alpine the venue. Um, you know, every year there's negotiations to be had. There's scheduling issues, right? Um, I'm sure there's timing with other acts that come through, and maybe the weekend that Dave Matthews Band. Um, wanted to play wasn't available. I mean, look at a tour and you have a geographical rhyme and reason to how they get around the country. Um, they can't just go from New York to California to Washington to Florida to Texas five nights in a row. It just obviously they kind of have to go with the flow in terms of how their travel goes. So it's just quite possible that, that when they had time for Alpine, it wasn't available. Um, and, and, and I know I have, Alpine, I have my, I, I will say I'm one more thing. That. I'll say one more thing. Okay. I don't still don't think <laughs> this is gonna I'm not trying to be controversial, but it's gonna be. I've never been to Alpine, maybe that's part of it. You can hammer on me. I'm gonna maybe I'll take the shoes of Jake this I'll be the goat. But I don't think the band looks at Alpine as one of the big however I don't they don't see it as spec, they don't see it as the gorge. I don't think they consider it a must, must, must go. Just mm-hmm. just a, a, a wild theory, it's no insult. Um, but you would never see them skip spec. Never. Um, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, 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 I feel they probably consider spec and Alpine very good traditional venues that they wouldn't be, feel hard pressed to ever make a single night. It's got to be a two night. Um, I think it all boils down to this is it was business. It, it was a business decision, and unfortunately, fans don't like to hear it as a business decision. They want it to be, hey, the band is uh, emotional and we'll stick with the venue, all, all things configured. But it comes down to it new venue in Chicago, um, Northerly Island, um, that just got built, and um, the band, the management uh, signed on for multiple acts to play that island, um, Fish, others. Um, being one of them to bring them to Northerly Island over the over you know a three year period, and you're putting two shows on in Chicago. You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna sell to, out to an all pal. It's a great point. Ants so. Ants Plus member here in the chat, um, Math Twenty Four even points out that you know Live Nation does own the Chicago venue as you were talking about, and the sales at Alpine in recent years just just weren't up to snuff. And I mean that from a strictly business standpoint would. Be a huge no, because if that if that was the case, that would that would imply that the band is going to continually play Chicago and play Northern Island. I don't think that's the case. I think this is a one-time deal, a business deal for the band to play Bangalore, to play Jacksonville, to play um, T- Tahoe last year, to play um, Northern Islands. The band sells band sells to these music venues. We will bring five main acts to your venue over over the next three years, and so they bring Fish. They bring DMB, they bring some others, and the venue gets their main acts. It's a one, my take, I'm, you know, this is my, I don't have hard evidence on this, um, but I would say this is a, a business deal that was done for Northern Ireland. Unless the, um, unless the business deal is super um, lucrative, in the, uh, then I think in the future they'll be back at Alpine. Well, I like that analysis, Joe. Uh, that's probably pretty spot on. But yeah, I, I if want, if you want to know why they're playing all these weird places, that's what it is. I mean, you look Lake Tahoe. Fish was there the previous year, and you know now DNB um, is there. If you look at the Jacksonville location, why is the band going to Bangalore, Maine? Maine? It does make they, sense to look at it from a management standpoint. The other bands that are managed by the same group. It's probably a yep. really good point. 
Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. You'll, you'll see. If you look at all these weird venues that they're playing for the first time over the last um, last year and this year, um, see what other ran- bands are going there. You'll see. A, you'll see a trend. At least that's what I that's what I picked up on. And um, same goes for uh, Northerly Ireland, Northerly Northerly Island um, in Chicago. Um, but I I fully expect the band to get back um, to Alpine unless. Um, Unless they're just making the the bid, the financials just out of it. But Alpine's not owned. I, 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 Alpine's not owned by. Or I guess yeah, I can't remember who Alpine's owned by. But um, Alpine has is, doesn't have a lot of concerts out there. And um, if Alpine's going to stay in business, they need DMB. So it's it's up to them to make um, concessions. DMB playing two nights a year. Yeah, they have they have to make it. Otherwise, if DMB doesn't play Alpine. Alpine folds, in my opinion. Hmm. That's a strong opinion. Unlike Spec, now unlike Spec, just to throw the trimmer, Spec will get X, and that's the thing is, you know, um, I said, would DMB stop playing Spec? And I said yes, and and I, but that would be if there was another kind of uh, arena uh, within really close distance, because we know that whole um, Northeast is just packed with DMB venues, so it would have to be another competitive arena, uh, you know, outdoor park, very, very close to spec. Is that going to happen? And no, is Albany is is, is Albany going to open up something? If Albany opens up an, uh, an outdoor venue to compete with spec, and they do the same thing that normally I did, do a business deal, they will. I think the band would skip spec. They're not they're not doing it for emotional reasons. They're just doing it for business reasons. But I don't I don't expect that to happen. So all you spec diehards out there, have no fear. You will continue <laughs> to get your spec. The Joanne prophecy of doom for spec has been spelled out. <laughs> Start the death somebody watch. Go, somebody go build a venue real quick. Um, so Joshua Domogala asks, uh, can you talk about why there's no available soundboard download for each show, similar to Fish or other jam bands? So I believe this is the the available... I don't, does Fish do it at the show, or is it available shortly after the show? Do you know? I think it's, I think it's like um, Pearl Jam. It's like shortly after... Um... Uh, shortly after the show, not not at. My best answer to that question is I don't know. I would think that the band would be... Well, uh, there's two parts. One is I don't know. You would think that the band would want to do it, but the other side of that is I think they really like the live track series. I think they like controlling and cultivating and, and mixing their releases. And what are they up to? 30 of them now? So it's not like there's a shortage. Now, in terms of somebody who goes to a show and says, I want that show... Um, there's certainly a market to be had there that I think they're missing out on. Uh, I, I I highly doubt that anywhere in their logic they say, well, it's probably going to get taped, so we'll let the tapers handle it. That doesn't seem like a, a business decision right there. Um, so I would think that they're probably focused on more. It's more about focus on live tracks and less about um, worrying about flooding the market with releases. That's my guess. Yeah, I, I think they, you mentioned it. They just want control, and um, you, you just start doing every show. You just have less control over how do things sound on on the album. You know what is getting out there, what's released. I think doing it selectively um, is just a, just more control, and um, they're not just trying to flood flood the D, the DMB sound market with just lots and lots of recordings. And we, I mean, the tapers do a great job, and I, th- I I'm if they did that. I'm sure they would probably, you know, want the tapers to stop doing it so that people would maybe buy stuff. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, but the tapers do a great job, and maybe they feel it's already um, satisfied by the tapers um, on what they're doing. Well, that comment leads into our last question here, and it's something that uh, I definitely want to discuss. It's really an interesting topic. Um, before we dive into it, I just want to say that by no means is this a slight on tapers or criticism at all. I mean, by all accounts, we are the most fortunate fan base, probably up there with the Grateful Dead, if not the best, one of the you know most fortunate in the history of live music when it comes to accessibility recordings. And that is in entirety due to um, the tapers on their own dime, by the way, in their own time. Uh, it's you can't you can't sing the praises enough. So this is not a criticism of the tapers. And, and the the gentleman who wrote the question wanted to stress that very same point. Um, so are you going to say who wrote the question? Yeah, the name is Brennan, and his answer user is BTM ten twenty two. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's an email. But essentially, it boils down to um, in the past tapes 
uh, and, and requests for tapes were um, subject to a two-week rule. And the general the general feel was that a show happened. You have to wait two weeks, or you should wait. It's proper etiquette to wait two weeks before you ask on the boards or in the community or on mailing lists, however you talked, you know, back in the day. Um, hey, where's this show? That you know, if you ask before two weeks, it's considered rude, and you would get shouted down. Uh, which fair enough. I mean, the tapers have lives. Not only do they record the show, but the conversion process is time consuming as well. So sometimes they get home, they got to get back to their jobs, their lives. So um, the point that Brendan was making in recent years, uh, that two-week window has shrunk to sometimes the night of even. I mean, that's, that's a little um, more rare, but often the day after the show or the, the next two days after the show, that show's available online. And it's really spoiled the fan base for sure, but I think in general um, there's been such a, a, a amount of respect built into the whole community where it never really got to be a problem where people were just pounding on tapers where's the show where's the show but there are some people asking so i think while the two-week rule has never been amended as far as i know it's never been um said okay now you can ask one week later now three days is okay it's never been officially changed so the two-week rule still is quote-unquote in in effect um no i'm just saying so so it's not like the rules have changed um but it's it's definitely something that people come to expect the tapers to have them out sooner um, just because that's what we've been treated to for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years now. Um, so the, with all of that background and, and having said that. I don't know that they, ex- do you really think that they expect, or I, I would say maybe the better word is just that sometimes they're surprised that they're not out faster. Sure. I mean, yeah, in a gentle way of saying it, right? It's just, hey, we've been getting for, for four or five years now, we've been getting shows very consistently within a day or two after it, other than very outlying exceptions, usually a day or two, and it's been out. Not that that's where the bar that should be set, but, hey, perception is reality in a lot of ways, and that's what a lot of people are used to seeing now. So they're saying the last couple of years, and uh, Brennan's saying, it just seems to be not the case anymore. And he wonders, is it is it taper scarcity? Is it, you know, are a lot of the older tapers kind of falling out of the game and it's newcomers now and it's just a different way of, of life for the tapers? Um, you know, what's going on? Because I mean, so, so Saratoga, years past, these two shows would have been on, on the net, ready to download the day after each show. If not Sunday, if not Monday, like today, the weekend after the show, you would see these tapes available. They're just not. And it's starting to somewhat form a pattern in that direction over the last year or two. So, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it's it's a um, supply and demand. It would be my take on it. Um, we have less tapers. Um, that's the that's the, the fact. When we hit our taping peak, um, we had a lot of tapers, and those 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 good guys have um, don't go to as many shows. You know, maybe we still have the same number of tapers, but they don't go to as many. They were doing a lot more traveling. Have you know gotten older and aren't able to travel? They haven't had a lot of people coming in. Uh, new young um, tapers come in, and when we had a lot more tapers, it used to be a race to be the first one out because very good point. Know, uh, um, everyone tried to get just everyone wanted to get the first one, and if you weren't the first one, used to, the people that were true audio um, listeners would s- still check out your tape and still possibly download it if you had a better better recording. But for the most general public, everyone just went with the first one that um, with when it came out. So that was a rush. Now there's less people. There's not a rush. People got more things going on. It's just they're not they're not into it for the fame or anything. They're not into it to try to be the first. They're going to do it when they do it. They do it for as a hobby. They're not going to stress about it and stay up all night, um, you know, tracking a show and doing all the things that they do before they release it digitally, fingerprint it, and all that stuff. So I, it's I think at the source of it, it's a numbers game. And I you know I looked at SPAC. Um, and to be honest, you know, I, I, the first night I looked at him, I didn't really look at the second night. But the first night, I think Chris Cruz was there. He had a, um, his stack. There was two other mic stands, which were, um, you know, single mic stands, which I, looked like the same mics that the band uses, but they were in some interest. They were in two interesting spots that I didn't think the band would normally set up a mic at. So I'm not sure if those were tapers or if those were just band mics, because there are band mics in the audience too. Um, but definitely not a lot of, uh, not a lot of tapers, not even multiple. Uh, mics up on a rig, which sometimes you'll see. So just, uh, and that's for SPAC, right? Um, right, right. Which is, you know, the hardcore of the hardcore. So I think it's a, I think it's a numbers game. We need to, could definitely use a call to, um, to for more, for more tapers. I would think. Yeah, I think it might even be a, a the 
more entitled generation also where I think some people just expect things to be. I think they expect shows to be taped. And, you know, people can't do things forever. So certainly, you know, tapers come and go over the years. But in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, when you would see five to ten rigs at a show, you just don't have as many. And and then, you know, who's going to tape it, right? So you still have people expecting it to come out, but not necessarily willing to go out there and tape themselves. And I just think you have less people willing to go out there and tape. Um, maybe just as many people who expect it to be out, though. So your your first point was absolutely huge. You had so many tapers at shows before that it was, hey, I want to get my tape out first. Absolutely. And if you're one of two and you're both kind of, you know, quote-unquote casual tapers, right? Some people are really hardcore for a time. But if you're if you're not that concerned about it, then you're going to take your sweet time. I mean, what, there were two or three shows from last summer tour that just didn't come out. I don't know if they weren't taped. But mm-hmm. when you think about it, like the mid-2000s, the idea of a show in modern day not being recorded is, is unheard of. And yet here we are, and we might see it again this tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you fix that either. I mean, it, taper community is a volunteer community. It's not a knock on the community. Um, I mean, Joe and myself can attest to the fact that we haven't always dove in and spent a lot of our free time on ants and that's really what it is it's a hobby and sometimes other things get in the way often oftentimes it does um it's just uh you just hope that the popularity of the band um kind of gets into the pores of a lot of different type of people people who are able to be generous with their time and tape and and, and care to do that for the community mm-hmm yeah, and um, I guess I don't know. I'm debating this. Math twenty four in the in, uh, in the live chat throws up uh, one thing that he put out is, you know, seat stuff um, and getting good seats is key to being able to tape. And, and are some is maybe a possible theory that some of the not so dedicated tapers don't get good seats and just say, hey, that's enough for me not to bother with it this time. I'm not I'm not going to try to work the system to try to trade with somebody once I get there or, you know, they just say, Hey, you know what? Seeds aren't that good. I'm just not going to bother, you know? Yeah. And um, that's, and math also makes a point. It's less, I think it's, I, I know some tapers. I'm friends with quite a few and it is less due to the quality of the tape or concerns with it's not going to come out well. And it's more about protecting their equipment. These guys have spent thousands of dollars on these rigs. So you have no idea. It's crazy. And, um, you know, beach balls, unruly crowd by an aisle, people bumping into it. No, I've been to a lot of shows, Joe, you have too. Nobody seems to give a rat's behind about these taping equipment. And it's it's bad because this is stuff that can get damaged pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess Math24 uh, Math also throws out um, props to uh, Rocket Man and um, Dean Wolfgang as uh, some of the, the new young blood that's um, helping put out a lot of shows. So definitely going to give those guys. We got, we got a lot of the... Got a lot of the um, the long timers um, that have been doing it from the early days, but uh, nice to see some young blood too with Rocketman and Dean Wolf game. Absolutely, and and ultimately we're talking about this because we care about. I mean, what what they the product that they offer to the community is just mm-hmm. so valuable. I mean, we've we've come to take it for granted, but it is completely unique, especially in modern music. It's what got this band its start. If the band doesn't allow taping, so give the band props for that, and especially since they've established themselves as a commercial success, they could have easily pulled the rug out on that at any time, and and most bands have and would have. Uh, So the band hasn't done that, which is great to see. And um, the tapers just took that and run with it, and if the band doesn't allow tape trading in their early days, are we talking about them right now in this podcast? And I would argue no. That's what I was actually going to say. I was going to say, if you think these podcasts are boring now, imagine when we can't <laughs> listen to any of the sh- can't listen to any of the shows. <laughs> uh, basically, it would be just an hour long Skype call of Joe and I staring at each other and seeing who blinks first. <laughs> just hearing that radio voice of yours. I have no radio voice, so no such thing. No such thing. <laughs> Liar. Only, only when you 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 know you fed me the dew drops by Peace Lily track. That that's the only thing. I'm, I don't know where you came up with that, and I'm going to give you credit for that, but. No, well, I think that just about does it. Um, I'm glad you had a good time at SPAC, and I'm I'm supremely jealous. But I'm going to try to pull you out west here and see if, if we can't set up a Do it. I, set up a gorge thing. I hope that happens. I mean, the one last thing I'll say about SPAC is um, we had a huge gathering, and we posted it to Twitter. I mean, I don't know how many people we had um, of ants that all attended Ballsfest, and Ballsfest is not an ants thing, um, which is the D and B community thing. Um, it's a uh, 
great cause. Um, started with started around testicular cancer, but has now morphed. And I was just absolutely amazed on some of the good stuff that they did this year. I mean, they they um, they just started now um, kind of sponsoring um, children that have um, conditions, and and they gave away um, twenty five hundred dollars for expenses, a trip to go see Seattle and the Giants play uh, in Seattle, tickets and airfare. They got letters from Vice President Biden, um, gave away another another um, $1,000 towards um, expenses. I mean, the list goes on and on of some of the stuff that they um, are doing for good causes and for children specifically. Um, it's definitely morphed and got bigger and bigger. Um, so great! Just a shout out to Balls Fest for all the good, um, good stuff that they're doing, and also it was a great party, and we had tons of ants there. Took a huge group photo, had some um, some good music and some some good foods. So um, just wanted to close with that. Closing comments on spec. And now I'm really, really regretting not going, but hey, you know, not so easy to go cross country anymore. But I'm I'm really psyched. You guys had a great time, and that's really cool to see him do that. The charitable the charitable donations as well. It's always awesome mm-hmm. to leverage the popularity into a good cause. Well, with that, I guess uh, Joe and I are going to wrap up the uh, Ants podcast this week. We made it a month now, four in a row. I think that's our most prolific stretch of podcast episodes in the history of this uh, little format here. So congrats, Joe. Um, onward to 500 and that uh, I, whatever, whatever you promised. <laughs> I, w- I wish we had a, 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 you know how we have for an individual so, um, show, the like show flow on you rate songs up and down. <laughs> I wish we could do this with the podcast and we can see how we did without Jake and see if we were just we just tanked without Jake or if people liked it without Jake or, or completely don't even know who the heck any of us are and it just all sounds the same. Or we can do that political style when they're watching a, uh, like a presidential debate and you see the up and down the wave like when, when they're talking live, yeah. people agree with them or disagree with them and live. Now that would be cool. And, then, uh, and you know to, to shut your mouth and move on. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, I'm going to remind you and everybody else listening, too, that Joe is still on the hook to write up some Hall of Fame code for the uh, the setless game. Oh. Sorry, man. Bus, you <laughs> tossed under. I think it's going to be great. But you know what would be great? To do that at the end of the tour. Okay. Well, all right. So you're off the hook for a couple more months then. All right. There you go. Perfect. That's a great way to and deflect. Uh, when, and if... If you loop me into um, to the West Coast, then I'm gonna I'm gonna get you involved, get you uh, coding with me. Oh, fun! I don't do enough of that already. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much to all our Plus members for joining in. We had a really lively chat uh, this this week. This is awesome. Um, we're gonna we're gonna aim to be back at it next uh, next week. We will have the episode up here in a day or two. And uh, once again, thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Get us on Twitter at AntsMarching, on Instagram at AntsMarchingOrg, on Facebook at AntsMarching.org, and our website, what's the URL? Um, AntsMarching.org. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the Internet. Show downloads, Tour Central, personal show stats and set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB. The well is full of virtue.